Hey, welcome Westover. We're so glad you're with us, son. I'm Pastor Tito, your high school and young adults pastor. Thank you, thank you. And just real quick, we just wanted to remind you if you are a senior in high school or if you are a young adult, you're in the middle of finals and all that super not fun stuff and all that, we wanted to celebrate you and give you a little break tonight after service in the Cafe with the Cause we're having. Mengonadas y fresanadas for everybody. It's going to be great. For So we would love to see you young adults there and high school seniors. If you would, draw your attention to the screens. you turn to someone next to you and say, bro, you look good. You look great tonight. Feel free. That's where you can respond something like, you right. I do look good. Or, um, I'm a girl. Or, hey, here's my cell phone number. <laughs> we talk later. Let's go get some fresonadas, right? Either way, we are glad you're here. We are so glad you made it. We are on the last message of a series we've been doing since Easter called 40 Days our goal has been to walk through Jesus' final face-to-face encounters with his disciples in the 40 days following his resurrection and look at how those moments gave evidence and support to the faith. Now, just for a second, I just want you to imagine with me, just picture with me what it would be like if you were one of those who saw Jesus face-to-face. Now, just picture, okay, you're, you're one of the one of the guys, one of the girls, you were a follower of Jesus in the first century. Maybe you weren't in one of the 12 disciples, but you'd always hope to see Jesus heal somebody. You'd always hope to hear him teach with your own ears, but you'd never gotten a chance. And then by the time you were finally able to get off of work, you, to go see him, you find that he was put on trial, wrongly accused, and in the process of being crucified. So you rush out to the hill where he was nailed to a wooden beam, In between two criminals and in disbelief, you watch as he breathes his last. And just for a moment, if we could imagine the grief that you would experience, that here's the one person that you would put all your hope in. Here's the one guy you believed was God in the flesh and he was dead. And it just didn't, it just didn't make sense. And in fact, everything you had learned, if you were a first century Jew, up until that point about the coming of the promised Messiah, about the coming of the rescuer, the king, is that he was going to be a ruler. 
He was going to be a military dictator. He would be powerful. He would establish an earthly kingdom, and his headquarters would be none other than the holy city of Jerusalem. His reign would never end. He would snatch away the power from the Romans and the pagans. And finally, finally, the nation of Israel would be on top. Finally, you and your Jewish brothers and sisters would no longer be second-class citizens of Rome. No longer would you be outcasts or minorities. But now, you would get to be part of heaven on earth. But the death of the Messiah, that, that just wasn't in the cards. His failure to set up an earthly kingdom, it just didn't make any sense. And how can God die? You see, these are the questions many of the followers of Jesus around the city are still having in Acts 1 when all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And not for the first time. Acts 1, 3, if you have your Bibles or if you're using the Westover app, it says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them. Okay, let's pause. Do you see Jesus loves food too? I mean, okay, I'm not trying to to make too big a deal about this, but Jesus literally came back to life and made sure not to skip dinner. Come on, somebody, can I get an amen? I'm on the congregation of the Lord in the house. Okay, okay, we're moving on. It says, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit you see the disciples were very familiar with baptism and water because John was baptizing sinners who were ready to turn from their sins and turn to God Jesus himself was baptized in water he was completely submerged in the waters of the Jordan River to set an example for all of us Jesus' disciples were no doubt baptized, and Jesus' disciples also baptized other people in water for the same reasons. To shout to the whole world as if with a megaphone, who I was is no longer who I am. Because of God's work in my life, I've been made new. Around here, we call it making new. But notice, Jesus mentions another baptism. Jesus mentions another immersion, another experience, but this time not in water, this time in the Holy Spirit. We'll come back to this. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now to us, (laughs) I, I just love this. When I hear this scripture, I just think, man, I feel like that would be me. Here's Jesus. He's unpacking this monumental, game-changing truth that it's something that will forever change everything about how we serve God. And the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, that's cool and all, but are you going to be president? Like, am I going to get to vote for you in the next election? Right? And, and to us, 2,000 years later, it sounds so off topic. It sounds so off the wall. But to any and every Jew who had ever been waiting for the coming of the Messiah, this was the question on their lips. But then, in typical Jesus-like fashion, him with the perfect blend of grace and truth and love and bluntness, redirects the greatest question of the day to what should have been the greatest question of the day. Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, Boom, roasted. 
right? Almost, almost in the same breath, as if to say, anyways, Jesus continues, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This new experience, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, this immersion, soaking, overwhelming by the Holy Spirit was promised to the disciples And he promises that God's very own spirit will come on them and give them power to be witnesses. And it's a good thing, too, because as you read in the scripture, most of the disciples at this point are hiding behind locked doors. Because they're afraid that the Roman government is going to knock the door down and he's going to drag them off and crucify them one by one, just like they did their leader. Some of them were even considering going back to their old jobs as fishermen. But here, Jesus is promising his followers supernatural power to share the good news about Jesus in the city, the holy city of Jerusalem, in its surrounding regions, Judea and Samaria. And if that isn't enough to keep them busy, to the entire world. Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go to heaven. Then Jesus was gone. He literally, literally ascended to heaven. They watched him levitate, float, fly, get beamy up, scottied into the sky, jaws to the ground, mouths open in shock when these two men dressed in white, angels or Benny Hinn, not sure, speak to the disciples in typical Jesus-like fashion, grace and truth, love and bluntness, and ask, why are you staring at the sky? I'd have been like, come on, unlike you, I don't get to see this kind of stuff every day, right? Guy floating in the air, I'm pretty sure I'm going to take out my phone and I'm going to take some pictures. And these guys are like, well, and here's what they say. The angels are like, good news, good news. He'll be back, right? And at least that's how I imagine it. That's just kind of my, my Tito way of picturing it. And I'm just saying, y'all, these 11 verses are just packed so full with so much truth. Here's Jesus, God in the flesh, God's very own son who died for us. He miraculously comes back to life so that he could with, leave us without any doubt, a convincing proof that he really is who he said he is. Think about it this way. Jesus came back to life so you wouldn't have to have blind faith. Jesus came to provide proof. And then Jesus continues and promises to empower the believers by sending the Holy Spirit to give them the tools they need to carry his life-changing message of hope to the world. This is one more piece of supernatural evidence, one more convincing proof to testify to the existence of God, the love of God, and God's intentional interaction with humanity. And verse 11 leaves us with this promise. Jesus is coming back one day. Hallelujah. Right? I feel like we could end the sermon right there, and that's like a satisfying ending. It's like, yes. But here's our goal tonight. As we begin to unpack this final encounter Jesus had with his disciples, I wanted to zero in on this big topic that Jesus talked about and kept redirecting his disciples to, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Notice this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit wasn't a new concept to the disciples. 
John the Baptist talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Notice, John is pointing to another experience. It isn't the same as being baptized with water. And then Jesus talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit often. It's from Jesus we learn that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. When Jesus was baptized in water, you, re- you may remember, it says that God the Father spoke audibly, this is my beloved Son, Jesus, who was in the water getting baptized. And it says that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus as a dove. John seven thirty seven. on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Here we see that the Holy Spirit comes to satisfy believers who are thirsty Here we see that the Holy Spirit has to come after Jesus' resurrection and that the Holy Spirit wants to fill us so full on the inside that he can spill out on the outside. As we move on, John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And the Spirit of truth... The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be with you. The Holy Spirit is welcomed in our lives when we are obedient to God. The Holy Spirit, notice from the scripture, he's a him, he's not an it, right? Jesus refers to him as a him often. The Holy Spirit wants to live in you forever, John 14, 26, but the advocate the Holy Spirit from the Father, will, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the words and the teachings of Jesus. Different Bible translations will use similar words for the Holy Spirit. One version calls him an advocate. Another calls him a helper. Another, a counselor, all sent from the Father. John 16, verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit comes to convict people of sin. John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Here we see that the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth. The Holy Spirit knows and can reveal the future. The Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention to himself, but to Jesus. And here's what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit after his resurrection. Luke 24, 49. I'm going to send you what my father promised. I don't know about you, but when I hear that somebody wants to give me a gift, like I get a little excited. Like, oh, what, gift card? Money, like, what's it going to be? Like, you know, you, you start thinking, oh, gosh, what's it going to be? And here it says, but stay in the city until you've been clothed from power on high. And I just think it is so cool that God the Father would want to send us a gift, 
But not just any gift, it's a gift of himself. The gift of his presence on the inside of us. And then finally, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice a few things, friends. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit into our lives just so we could feel goosebumps. Notice, Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit into our lives just so we would feel more spiritual. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit into our lives so we would feel holier than our Baptist friends. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit into our lives so that, so that he could make our guests feel awkward when they walk into this place. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit first to glorify God by deepening our reverence for God, by deepening our desire to follow him wholeheartedly, by transforming our lives and making us more like him. And it's the Holy Spirit that causes us to bear fruit so that it would be obvious what's happening on the inside. It would be obvious on the outside. And as a result, others would see our lives and be drawn to God because the Holy Spirit came to glorify God, but also to empower us to serve, to give us the tools that we need within the body to disciple and the tools we need within the body to reach those outside of the body. For instance, within the body, the goal of the Holy Spirit is to give you gifts, to give you tools that will empower you to help you effectively disciple one another. For instance, the gift of administration, words of prophecy, speaking truth, pastoring, teaching. And then the Holy Spirit also gives us the tools we need outside the body to effectively reach the lost. He not only wants us to minister to each other, but he wants us to minister to those people who will never ever set foot into a church building. Evangelism. The gift of helps, words of knowledge, teaching. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite quotes. God does not so much have a mission for his church as he has a church for his mission. Think about that for a minute. Friends, that is just, that is just so huge. And we've heard the Great Commission that God's calling us all to go out into the world and preach the good news. But I think we tend to forget that God isn't commanding us to go do something that he won't equip us for. And that should be great news because if you, like the disciples, struggle to be bold enough to share the message of Jesus with your coworkers and your family, then you can receive his power if you'll ask. Acts 4.31 says it like this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And here's the cool part. You don't have to do a bunch of good works to earn the Holy Spirit. You don't have to conjure up the Holy Spirit by jumping and shouting. You don't have to get into some heightened emotional state just to receive him. You don't have to drift into some subconscious or semi-conscious state where the Holy Spirit takes over. All you have to do is ask. 
Listen to the way Jesus said it. Luke chapter 11. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. In the Greek, this word ask is in the present active imperative. In other words, another way you could translate this is make it a habit to ask. Make it a habit to seek. Make it a habit to knock. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. For everyone, verse 10, who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you give him a snake instead? I mean, I just picture like, you know, like this is like Duck Dynasty kind of stuff. Hey, dad, can I have a fish? Sure, son. (laughs) You know, it's like, whoa, like what is going on here, right? This buck wild craziness. Verse 12, or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion, right? Every morning, my my eldest daughter, she's like, eggy? Eggy, mommy, daddy, eggy, can you imagine? I'm like, I got your eggy right here, kid. Like, that would just be so, so creepy. Yeah, some of you are like, CPS, CPS, right? Verse 13, and here's what Jesus says. And, and I think this, here's Jesus. He's talking to a bunch of Christians, a bunch of his followers. He says, if you then, though you are evil, I'd be like, thanks. Thanks, Jesus, right? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I love this. Jesus is saying that some of us, we're hunting it down, and we're beating down the doors, and we're knocking down walls, and we're jumping as high, and screaming as loud, and crying as long, trying to get it, trying to convince God how bad we want it, when God's like, no, 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 I just want to give it to you. I love you. You you want my power? I want to give it to you. You want more of my spirit? I want to give it to you. He's also saying this. And, and I think this is, this is so cool. Don't just ask once, get filled and be done. He's saying, ask often, get refilled, then glorify him, serve the world, then ask again, get refilled again, glorify him, serve the world, ask again, get refilled again. Because as Pastor Jim says, we are vessels that leak. So the question is, how do you know How do you know once you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? We believe it'll look something like this. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, speaking of the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Gentiles is just a fancy Old Testament. New Testament word for non-Jews. So that would be most of us. You're like, I'm a Mexican. Yeah, you're a Gentile, okay? Right? African-American, Gentile, okay? That, all of us, okay? Except for a couple of you with the curly hair. You're probably Jewish. Verse 46. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. You see, this is how they knew the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit. They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. See, we believe that this scripture is a description of what baptism in the Holy Spirit looks like. 
It's you and the Holy Spirit colliding together. It's you being filled with more of him, so much so, so overflowing that you begin to speak in other tongues. That it's not the Holy Spirit coming inside of you like a puppet and like making you talk. Like he's not Jim Henson. But it's you partnering with the Holy Spirit. You singing praises to God. You talking to God. And at some point, that partnership, you begin speaking in a language that you don't even know. If you don't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes as the prayer team comes forward and as the worship team gets in place. If you're here or you're watching and you just want more boldness, you're here, you want to be a witness, you're, you're timid, you're nervous about sharing your faith, or maybe you're just, you're just thirsty. You want more and more of God. You want to deepen your relationship with him, and you've never, ever received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spoken with other tongues. Man, we would love to pray for you. And let me tell you, we're not going to push you over. We're not going to make you repeat foreign sounding syllables after us. We're just going to lay hands on you with some oil, as scripture tells us. And then we're going to pray and we're going to trust God to do the rest. If that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, man, I want that. I want more of Jesus tonight. I want the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, if you just raise your hand real bold. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In just a moment, you'll come up to the front and we'll pray for you. And here's the second call. Maybe you have been filled with the Spirit before, but it's, it's just been a while. Maybe it was at a conference. Maybe it was at youth camp or kids camp or women's conference. But it's been years and years. And just, just like that saying that pastor says, you feel like your vessel has been leaking and you're ready to be refilled. If that's you, if you would just raise your hand in this place. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Remember what Jesus said. He said that it's appropriate to ask and keep asking, to knock and keep knocking, to seek and keep seeking the Holy Spirit. So if we could stand all around this room and if you raise your hand for any one of these things, if you would join us down here at the front and we're just gonna take an opportunity, we're just gonna pray for you that God would fill you with his boldness, with his power from on high, that you would be empowered to, empowered to be a witness, that God would baptize you in his Holy Spirit, and if we could, if you're here in, the, in this place and you've been filled already, if you would just stretch a hand forward and begin praying for your family up here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.